Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. If I can just make it to the next minute, then I might have a chance to live. I might have a chance to be something more than just a struggling crackhead. This month, we dived into an extraordinary and inspiring debut memoir from Jesse Thistle, a once high school dropout and now a rising Indigenous scholar who chronicles his life on the streets and how he overcame trauma and addiction to discover the truth about who he is. Welcome to the book club discussion on Jesse Thistle's From the Ashes, My Story of Being Métis, Homeless and Finding My Way. My name is Simone from Breeze Afternoons. I'm Deb from The Morning Breeze. And I'm Anne, new to the Breeze Book Club. I host the morning show in New Glasgow. Welcome, Anne. And since you are new to the Breeze Book Club, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I live with my partner, Jason, our dog, Hemi, and cat, Jasper. I'm a fur baby mama, and I love them dearly. And also have uh, two stepdaughters who are attending college and university, respectively. And in my spare time, I love to cook, uh, watch shows on Netflix, probably too many these days. And I read uh, quite a bit, more so in the summer. But uh, I must say there are only a handful of books I've read as quickly as From the Ashes. I absolutely loved, loved this book. You're not kidding. Same for me. I'm not a big reader. And I finished this book in two and a half days. I just couldn't put it down. Was it the same for you, Deb? Absolutely. And I'm with you, Simone. I haven't been into books as much as I have been lately. And the only time I paused, it probably took me two or three days, but the only time I took a break was to kind of soak it all in because it was, it, you know, it's it's heavy material because it is his life. And uh, th- those are the only moments where I broke away for just a moment. It's definitely a heavier read than some of the other books we've read. And a lot of stuff just kind of sits with you and you think about it uh, for a while after you've put the book down. Deb, which scene would you say stuck out with you the most in the book? Do you know what? For me, it's going back to Jesse as as a toddler with his little brothers or his older brothers um, when they were left alone. So kind of a general scene, I guess, because it, you know, it happened more than once. But just picturing him and his, his brothers on their own so heartbreaking. And just to think that they had to fend for themselves and look for food that wasn't there, you know, in the kitchen, in the cupboards. So I felt a a big sense of, you know, lost children right there and their world falling apart. And I felt like I knew him and I knew his brothers. I felt like somehow I I knew them and and perhaps I had seen them over the years. So I don't know what it was or or how I connected, but that's, that's what stood out for me. It's interesting you say that because that's the one scene for me as well. Um, You know, being a mom and my youngest is five and you you think about this five-year-old trying to take care of his younger brothers and and parent them and find out, you know, what he can feed them. That's a lot of responsibility. And that broke my heart too, just thinking of the children being hungry and not really knowing when Jesse didn't know when his dad was going to be home or what they were going to do. They would just kind of be told to sit quietly. So that was definitely one that stuck out to me as well. How about you, Anne? Well, it's interesting because I picked out the exact same part of the book at the beginning when they were left alone and the boom, boom, boom on the door when child services and police arrived looking for them because the neighbor had called. And just I I picked out a couple of lines in the book that just it really 
it just made me feel my, my heart hurt. A huge meaty hand with hair on it reached in and pulled Jerry out. Then Josh and me, my mighty mouse PJs ripping on a screw in the opening. That's when they were hiding in the vent. Uh, Jerry and I were shaking and crying. I couldn't speak. The string had rubbed Jerry's palms raw as it was torn from his grasp. Blue and red lights flashed against the ceiling of our bedroom. Dad is going to kill us, I thought. Josh began to cry. He was probably thinking the same thing. So here are these authorities are coming in and, and seeing what these kids are, are living in, no food and, and uh, in terrible conditions. And all these kids are worried about is that their dad's going to be angry with them. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, what a heartbreaking situation. It really set the tone, I think, for the for the novel. Oh, just gut-wrenching. And hearing you read that back, it just takes you right back to that part of the book. Now, if you could ask Jesse anything about the book or about his life, what would you ask? Uh, well, what I would love to know from him is what he would like to see done about the education system in this country, what he thinks should be taught. So kids struggling like he did don't head down the same path. Once he embraced learning later in life and and bettering his education, it opened him up to so much. And he wasn't engaged that same way when he was younger. And it wasn't like he was capable of it, obviously, but he just wasn't engaging. And I just was interested to know what he would what he would suggest early on for people in his situation who are struggling, what they could do to to help help out and um, set them on the right path as opposed to the wrong path where where he went down with drugs and alcohol and being homeless and the rest of it. So I just was thinking education would be very interesting to chat with him about. Definitely. I'd love to hear more about that as well. And how about you, Deb? For me, I think um, asking him how he finds or how he found self-worth despite you know, the self-doubt that he had and and not just trusting himself, but trusting and being able to love other people and, you know, how he can build on that from where he had come from to where he is today. And I, I'm sure it's still a daily struggle for him thinking about the life that's, you know, so far gone, but, you know, where he is presently. And how could he offer Um, that same love and that hope that others had for him? And could he offer somebody like him the second, third, and fourth chances that, that were offered? I think that's just it right there. It's just, you know, seeing there were so many times in the book you read and you think, okay, he's on the straight and narrow. He's getting there. Uh And then he relapses. So what is the pivotal moment where you kind of just told yourself that you can do it? And, you know, sharing that with other people who are in similar situations. I think that's just the key because not everybody can get out of that that life. Mm-hmm. Cuz I think I, I we're we're all rooting for him, right? Every every chance he gets or, you know, the next step or the next level in his life, you're like, "Okay, this is this has got to be it." And then there he goes, not only disappointing himself but everybody around him. So you keep thinking, "If if he was in my circle, if he was in my life, would I still be able to you'd hope that you'd still be able to offer him what he needed." But th- there was a lot going on. I thought it was really nice when he got on Facebook once he sort of got his life somewhat in order and he mm-hmm. went online and then started connecting with people again. I just it was it was nice to see that those uh, relationships weren't lost. Yeah, it was nice to see he was able to reconnect with so many people from his past um, all the years he had lost touch. Now, what do you think you learned from hearing Jesse's story, whether that's about homelessness, racism or intergenerational trauma? I uh, I picked out a couple of things. One of them is that 
everybody's got a story. I think we, as a society, may tend to make assumptions about those dealing with drug addiction or being homeless. And Jesse sharing his story offers a look at how a person could slip into that world. And uh, I, I know I come from a smaller community, so you don't see homelessness as much as you would in urban centers. It's here, but it's not as visible. But I know when I travel to the city and, and when you see people that are on the streets, I will, I, I swear, I will never look at a person in that situation the same way ever again. He's opened, he opened my eyes to these people and, and what their struggles are and, and how you could end up in jail, for instance. Uh, there was a scene when he's uh, speaking with priest. And I, I kind of made notes when I was reading through. I thought, oh, my goodness, like this certain parts just stuck out to me. And he was uh, talking about priest. He said, I kept a Bible beside my bed and asked, what went bad, priest? And he says, all us criminals start out as normal people just like anyone else. But then things happen in life that tear us apart. That makes us into something capable of hurting other people. That's all and any of a darkness really is. It's just love gone bad. We're just brokenhearted people hurt by life. And uh, I just, I thought it just stuck out to me so much because here's a guy that he was sharing a cell with and he'd obviously had some bad things happen to him and had done bad things. And just everybody's got a story. That was one of the, the main points for me. And I think the other one that really jumped out was uh, about intergenerational trauma. In his immediate family, obviously, but also how it was in addition to the trauma that's happened and continues to happen to Indigenous people in this country and how that is passed down from generation to generation. Uh, Jesse learning about his Métis Cree ancestry towards the end of the book when he connects with his Auntie Vaughn and when he makes the connection of how that too impacted his life. I thought that was very interesting. And what was it for you, Deb? I agree. The intergenerational trauma, I guess putting a name out there, I, I don't know that I've really understood that before or or had heard that term um, and and how it's not just a, a vicious cycle. It just it, it sort of brought me back to, you know, some circles that I was in growing up and the perception of, you know, those in our community who might have been Native and Indigenous. And, you know, it's just a vicious circle that they're living in. But, it, you know, while that may be part of it, I think if we, we look at it as intergenerational trauma and the racism and how they've lost everything since, you know, since Europeans, since since other settlers have, have landed in this country of ours, and how quickly things can change when, you know, things are taken away from you. And every day, you're being told that you're not worth anything. So that's why we've got to move you over here. And I guess I really, it didn't stick so much. And Anne, you had pointed out, you know, educating the younger generation in our schools today, perhaps this is where it can come in. And, and Jesse can have a great influence on uh, teaching us about the road allowance people and and losing everything, including their identity. I don't think we've learned as much in school as perhaps we can from from Jesse's book, from his memoir. And I'm glad to see that, you know, I pulled up this article that some schools are starting to read books like this. And, and, and I had wrote on one of my social pages that I was reading this book and a high school teacher reached out to me and she said that she was thinking of, you know, having her students read a book like this. And I think that's where that education comes in is choosing books like this, that the subject matter is heavy and it's hard, but 
having these high school students read it and understand it is where we can start to create more awareness for, you know, what the Indigenous people went through, are still going through. And it's, and what you said too, is we often don't think about why someone ends up on the streets. We just kind of see that person and you don't realize what their story is, what their suffering is. And, you know, for some of them to only be as lucky as Jesse to find his way out. And I remember one of the the quotes he wrote in the book, it was, he was saying, it was the community around me and the relationships and the love that people gave me that got me off the streets. We need to do that for Indigenous people. We need to empower Indigenous voices and Indigenous knowledge so they can get off the streets themselves and be the people they're supposed to be in society so they can contribute in a good way. And you think it's 2021 and there's still mm. so much work to still be done. It's so true. And and how quickly homelessness happens. It's not just, um, you know, oh, well, this this will never happen to, you know, this group of people, or it can't happen that quickly, but it really does. And then how quickly people can be lost out there. So true. Now, are there any people in the book whose perspective you would have wanted more of? Well, it just sort of came in at the end because I found that uh, really was, again, maybe the last 20 pages or so that we got to meet Lucy. I love this whole love story with Lucy. I think his his uh, connection with her and how he reconnected with her later in life and how they got married. And I just I would be curious to to know that her side of the story, what made her reach out to him? I know she saw him on Facebook, but how many people do you see pop up that you went to high school with or that you went to school with way back in the day? What, something obviously pushed her to reach out to him and. And then everything that she mm-hmm. did for him to to help him get back into the back into society from, you know, getting his cards sorted out and, and filling out forms and the university application and all the rest of it. Like she was uh, and I've heard him in interviews and the way he speaks about her is just it's so heartwarming. They're, they're the definition of soulmates. So uh, I would love to talk to her. Yeah, I, I agree. Soulmates, and that's true love. Like, that's the definition right there. I was thinking about the mom. Like, you know, when when the situation happened where she allowed the three boys to go live with the dad, and then, you know, the dad wasn't able to take care of them, and so they got kind of moved to foster care, and then their grandparents. For me, it was kind of the, why couldn't they go back to stay with their mom? So that kind of mm-hmm. left a bit of a void for me, just more curiosity onto maybe what was going on in her life at that time. Because it seems like she was able to be with them in the beginning, but the dad was the one causing a lot of the problems. And then after he left, it was just that kind of part. I just, I really would want to know more about their relationship together and how that's kind of been, you know? I'd like to hear a little more as well. And you'd mentioned his grandparents. I, I, I love that he was able to connect with them, even, you know, if just for a moment before, um, before they passed. But I, I would have liked to have heard more if they had more time. And I think it, it sort of uh, sets you back into your own family setting. You think about all the folks that have left us and who are no longer around to answer some of the questions that we had about our lives. And I think it would have been neat to to hear what they thought about where he was, what he had done, and where he is today. I think they would have been extremely proud of him. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else either of you wanted to share or any other takeaways you had from the book? 
I've been listening to a lot of podcasts that he was interviewed on, and I had a I did listen to the Canada Reads portion with George Canyon. George is from here, and he was a defender of um, this book for Canada Reads. And I love what George said because he said as soon as he started reading the book, it felt like he was sitting down with an old friend, and his friend was telling him his story, and that's what it felt like. It just I don't typically read memoirs. And this one, it got me immediately. I was in, and I just read it in big chunks, like one, two, three. And as you say, in a couple of days, and it was, it, I had gone through it, and it was, it was like you were there with him, and he told it in such a way that it, it, it kept moving, and it didn't, it didn't feel like. Because you think, well, how can it get any worse? And I don't know, like, typically if I try to watch a movie or a TV show like this, I, I would find it really hard. But he he kept the momentum going in such a way that it just drew you in. And then, of course, the, the happy ending <laughs> was mm. was just so – it was so nice to see him get through that and get out on the other side and be such a success. Like, I'm so proud of him for what he's done. Like, it's it's unbelievable. And Canada – should be proud of of this man and and I hope and I know we've mentioned this already but this should be part of the curriculum in high school this book 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. It really is incredible when you talk about his writing and how he captures every moment or you, you know you feel like you're there like you know him. It be, it's so vivid. His writing is so good and to think that he only got into writing later in life and that he really had to learn a lot in a, a short amount of time. Um but I think it's so wonderful. You always think and hear, okay, there's always hope for whatever situation is is presented to you or others that you know, but to think about um, his story, there is true hope. And to go through a life of hardship like he's gone through and to come out and land where he is, I think that he deserves, you know, so much credit and, and I'm so happy that he was able to share his story with us. And I'm so happy we chose this book because, again, it's I'm I'm not big into memoirs either, and you know I think this one was the the most eye opening one I've read. And it's interesting at the end of the book he kind of points out, you know, we we've seen him come so far, he's done so well, but he still wakes up and sometimes feels lost and like he doesn't belong, and he's back on the streets. Like he has those moments or that time he kind of went by where he used to live and he's no longer there. Like that's something that will never change for him, but. You know, it's nice that he was able to get off the streets and he continues to, you know, educate people and and fight for more Indigenous rights. And I think I think this was a a great book choice and I highly recommend it. On one of the interviews I heard him, he was saying how he was learning to write. He watched The Sopranos and that quick punchy dialogue. He he followed that sort of um, way with his writing and I just thought that was interesting because it felt so quick. I, I just love the, the the way that it flowed. It flowed really, really mm-hmm. good. I just enjoyed it so much. I was pleasantly surprised. And uh, I've been bragging this book up to anybody who will listen. <laughs> Definitely. I want to thank you both, Anne and Deb, for this discussion today. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.